everybody and really sorry i couldn't be with you at lavecon today um it's been a really good year with elite dangerous um we had a great time i've seen a lot of you in game some of you have killed me in game including on youtube um but we've also got lots of great things to come um some of which we've already talked about uh, so very very exciting times um have a wonderful rest of your weekend um and uh, see you soon in the game Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 71 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fuzzle Forrester, and joining me back on Lave Station in the wonderful Orange Sidewind for this episode are Chief Bar Steward, Mr. Grant Psycho Cow Walcott. Good evening. Good evening, Grant. Uh, we also have the station's Chief of Operations, Mr. John Stabler. Good evening. Good evening, John. We also have station head of entertainment sneaking in the back door. Oh, dear. Uh, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. That is very much my style. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening. And uh, we also have the station's uh, head of health and safety, Mr. Ben Woodward. It's good to know that Jarvis keeps pumping it up, isn't it? <laughs> and finally, we have the station's chief test pilot. We have uh, John Crash Virgo here. Greetings, commanders. Greetings, guys. Now, obviously, we're all pretty much packed into the Sidewinder this evening. I think everybody wanted to be on because, uh, obviously, this is going to be our LaveCon 2015 debrief episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, development news. And then our main topic for this episode is going to be our recollections, hazy though they are, of uh, LaveCon 2015 and the fantastic event that it was. So before we get into all of that, let's go around the crew and find out what everybody's been up to. Obviously, outside of LaveCon 2015, starting with Mr. Stabler. Oh, I thought you, you were going to say then that this episode is our LaveCon 2016 hyper episode, but we actually don't have any information about what that's going to be yet, but um, I guess people should listen out for it. Um, uh, what have I been up to? <clears throat> um, apart from getting over LaveCon and resting, I've been playing with my Raspberry Pi. I've actually been doing some electronics, and my mini project at the moment is I want to build a laser tag system. There you go. That's what I've been doing. Okay, come on. I'm interested. You've piqued my interest. You want to do a laser tag int- uh, system. Yeah, yeah, because uh, a lot of people online are talking about doing it with a Raspberry Pi, but I haven't seen many people actually have any like proper success with it. So I want to kind of... Uh, succeed where others maybe have failed or maybe i'll just add to the list of failures we'll see um but yeah it's it's going to be what i want to do is i want to build a kit and then i'll be able to kind of put up the instructions and other people can build the same system i've already written uh the software for it so keen was i so um yeah it's just the case of getting all the components together a lot of them i'm waiting for delivery from china at the moment uh, because that's the cheapest place to get them okay so i'm assuming this is something a little bit more technical than the barcode scanner that i know you've got kicking about in your lounge 
No, no, this is going to be like a proper laser tag system in that I'm, according to my calculations with the optics, it should have like a kind of a up to 100 meter range in the dark and um, it'll have, you know, different game modes, all that kind of stuff. Because that's the beauty of the Raspberry Pi is you can actually, you know, write some complex coding in there and, and can, you know, update it on the fly. So, um more details soon, I guess. Um, what I haven't decided is, you know, do I want to make it a simple just gun? Um, or should I, as my brother has recommended, like, do something a bit different, make it a bit steampunk and have <laughs> a kind of, um, like a, like a, like a wooden shotgun or maybe even like a, a good, you know, use a gauntlet rather than a gun. I don't know. Just the ideas I'm yeah, I do know a guy actually who does like he does like LARP, but he does a sort of laser tag version of LARP that he goes to. Um and I know they all build their own weapons. Um and uh you know, out of basic components. So the sort of I think the laser in the receiver is fairly sort of standard tech and then they build them into whatever kind of props they need for any particular game. Um so I think unlike, I don't know what you're planning, but I think unlike the kind of LARP thing, which quite often tends to be, you know, an ongoing, persistent world, I think he does lots of, like, one-off events. So I know in the past he's talked to me about they ran a, a Battlestar Galactica game, they did a Stargate game, they did a, a Doctor Who game that was large, based largely around Unit rather than actually around the Doctor. Um, they've done all sorts of stuff, actually. Um, Star Wars games, obviously, from time to time. Cool. Yeah. Okay, well, Jarvis, as you've uh, chimed in there, why don't you tell what you've been up to? Ah, okay. Uh, it's been a bit of a blur, actually. I had a... Um, <laughs> having having now finished the, the uh, audiobooks um, for, for Fantastic Books, um, I had another job on, which was to basically do sound tech and post-production on a comedy podcast, which has obviously been really great and is really, you know, if I wanted something different to do after the... Uh, Elite pod, uh, after the Elite audiobooks, that was the different thing. So yeah, I had a great night um, down in uh, down in Old London Town, um, and it was a great show. Really funny. Um, I wasn't involved in the writing of it in any way, so uh, it was really funny. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to those podcasts going out and being made available. Um, can you uh, can you do a plug on those, or is it uh, still embargoed? I can do a plug on those. No, it's called. Um, and then she said a funny thing. Um, the, the the company that's producing it is called Crooked Pieces, and um, yeah, those podcasts should be able to download. You know, the timescale sort of theirs. Um, I think my post production job on it hopefully shouldn't take too much too long. Um, I know they're waiting on kind of music to be composed. Uh, so, but you know, it won't, it won't be long before that's downloadable and listenable to. Very funny, Ooh. very funny indeed. Excellent, and they're pushing out through iTunes and the usual places, are they? Yeah, I guess I'm not. I'm not really involved in the distribution on it, um, but I would have thought, yeah, and certainly through their website, and um, uh, they've got, they've, you know, they've got the usual things: the Facebook, the Twitter. Cool. Okay, Mr. Virgo, what have you been up to? Well, some of you might know I had some trouble just after LaveCon with my car, so I just want to just say a massive, massive thank you. I had so many donations that uh, it pretty much covered the pair, so big thank you to everyone who did donate to me. That was amazing. Uh, really nice show of uh, community spirit there. Um, other than that, I did manage to get some game time, and I finally traded up to an Anaconda. Yay! 
Oh, really? <laughs> Squeak! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so t- tell me about your anaconda, because this is the mission path that I've got at the moment. I'm in my Type 9 at the moment. I've got mm. 75 million credits, and I'm slowly crawling my way towards an anaconda. So how much th- money did you actually have? What have you kitted out with, and what's the total cost? Well, I went for... I, I've carried on with the Python for a, for a long period of time. I uh, managed to get it kitted out about 57 million credits worth. I really didn't want to part ways with the Python, but I thought at the end of the day I'm going to have to uh, do that. Um got up to about 130 credits cash just using the Python for trading. I decided to skip over the T9 because it's so much slower to manoeuvre that um, you can't trade as quickly in it. Do you know what I mean? Um, But uh, by using the Python and doing some sneaky little uh, smuggling runs back and forth, I managed to get some credits pretty quickly over the weekend. Hold on a second. What? <laughs> I, I, I've been crawling around the solar systems <laughs> in my Type 9, and, and, and now you're telling me there's a faster, easier way of trading? <laughs> it's, it's, it's all about the know-how, you see. <laughs> He's telling lies. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 Don't I, listen I, I, to his I, I, flash ways. He's misleading you. I cry you. on that. <laughs> well, I was making 2 million credits every 10 minutes earlier on here, my anaconda. I hate you. <laughs> That's an anaconda, though. That's an anaconda. That's an anaconda. That doesn't count. Well, he's making about, uh, what, about two two thirds of a million every ten minutes. I think in the in the Python. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. This, that's fine. I'm doing more than my type nine. That's not a problem. I, I feel better now. Uh, Grant, let's shut him up. What have you been up to? I have been uh, packing up my grand's house because it'll be sold at the end of this month and that'll be a big surprise for her. Because um, <laughs> she's been... still living in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what are you doing? Just tidying up into those boxes. Yeah, yeah, grand. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Well, I like that stuff. Yeah, no, it's got to keep nice and safe. We'll bubble wrap it. It's fine. <clears throat> eBay? No, I'm not. No, but oh, she's... Oh, 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 oh. I wouldn't sell my grand on you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's been been getting that organised. Obviously, dealing with all the things that weren't dealt with while I was down at LaveCon. I've uh, played some Elite actually at the weekend, and unlike Karash, I traded up and got to myself to 110 million. Bought a Python and fully kitted it out. Flew with very very well. Uh, no, I had half enough for the insurance, but I I did some bounty hunting work, and soon I had enough for my insurance, just in time to take on a mission and get blasted out the sky and lose it. Um, but okay, just lost a little bit of money, but it's a good hundred million worth of investment in that Python. So do a bit of trading, do a bit of bounty hunting, and I can jump back into the T9 and do some trading in that, and eventually I'll have plenty for that anaconda in a couple of weeks. That'll be good. I... Okay, so you've kept your T9 then. Oh, your... gosh, yeah. Okay, so you're not getting rid of your T9 nor I, get your I anaconda. Lo- I love my T9. It is so much fun to fly. It's like a real trucker atmosphere in that thing, you know I'm flying it without shields, I'm getting interdicted, I mean it, that was the funniest thing I got interdicted by an Imperial courier and I thought <laughs> oh crap, there goes that there goes that cargo, but the, the AI, obviously the AI updates in 1.4 which we'll come to later on um, will mean that that will be a scarier situation than it was because I just turned around, fired my uh, gimbaled uh, pulse laser and fired dumb missiles and took him out <laughs> So wow, really? I was doing bounty hunting in my T9 and having a good giggle at it um, because 
I shouldn't be able to do that, but you know, it didn't affect my profits too much. I managed to make a fortune and really, really chuffed. And then I went and I have to thank uh, Crash's wife for keeping me right when I was trying to book some tickets for Fantasticon because not only did I book nearly book the wrong hotel because I reckoned it was just closer to the venue, but I nearly booked dates in August. Which of course was <laughs> fantastic on 2014, and then I corrected that, so I got the right date, so that was all good. But I still was working on the basis that it was going to be in the Mercure Hotel, which is not. So if it hadn't been for Crash's uh, wife, I was an extremely lonely person in this one <laughs> one person in the hotel, wondering why Fantasticon's not very popular this year. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that is priceless. Uh, Mr. Woodward, what have you been up to? Oh, well, since they've kind of been back up north dealing with me, me nan-in-law's funeral, which was, well, it was all right, I suppose. It's a funeral. Um, but since I've been back down in Birmingham since the weekend, um, I've been catching up on various gaming things, still trying to get some stuff done for the... Oh, for the Alliance guy, Edwin Mahon, or whatever his name is. Um, it's just boring as sin, but I don't want the Federals moving in on Lave, so I want to try and get him boosted up a bit, and I'm glad to see he's rising up the ranks. But of following our fun that we had with GOG Galaxy at LaveCon, I actually went off and installed GOG Galaxy on my gaming rig, and then went off and downloaded X-Wing Alliance, and that ran very nicely. Then thought, hey, let's try these X-Wing Alliance graphical updates and things like that, which never worked before, which just basically crashed, said you can't use any, you've got no 3D graphic card and things like that. And I applied all these different patches to what I downloaded from GOG, and I've got X-Wing Alliance looking almost as good as a modern game. Really? And it's it's a very shiny thing. Although I have to admit, I do think that the flight model does leave a lot to be desired after flying around in the leaf for a while. <laughs> um, does it support uh, a hot-ass joystick? It supports a hot-ass joystick. Um, I did have to go off and install... What is it called? I think it's V-Joy, I think it was, to yeah. get my joystick... So that my... Your, was a, your my role was a role. Because um, they had them swapped around, so basically I could not fly after spending the past year and a bit, two years playing Elite. Uh, I just couldn't steer my YT-1300. But once I swapped them around and got everything the way I'm used to it, yeah, it, it works, and it worked very nicely. And my God, millions of buttons, even more buttons in that than I think there are for Elite. Cool, and that works fine through uh, um, oh, good old games galaxies. That's working fine, God Galaxy. Yeah, excellent. For those people that didn't uh, didn't follow the stream, uh, Retro Lave this year, we actually tried doing a multiplayer with uh, Descent Two, and uh, good old games have set up an intersystem, which basically is sort of like their Steam client, uh, and they suggest that any game that you buy from good old games, if it's got a multiplayer element, if you install this um, Galaxies. 
um, which is obviously like their Steam client. Uh, they're guaranteed to work all the time, no matter what game it is. Uh, if you've got two people that buy it and they want to play multiplayer, they will set it up and it'll go through galaxies and it works fine. And much to our surprise at LaveCon, uh, it went fine, didn't it? I was very surprised and Vigo continued to basically kick my ass. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they can't yeah, do anything about your ability to uh, to fly. So, uh, no, I managed cool. to escape better than he did. This is true. You did do a great brave, Sir Robin. Yes. Um, so, uh, from my side of things, uh, what have I been up to? Well, I've uh, I've had a promotion at work uh, to a national role, which means quite a little bit more <laughs> travelling. Um, which meant that the run up to uh, Lavecon was uh, was interesting. Uh, I think I saw my family for about. Four hours before driving down to Lavecon in about a week and a half. Um, so that's going to be interesting. It means that I will be probably dialing to these calls from uh, hotel rooms from all over the UK, which will be fun. Um, as opposed to car parks. As opposed to car parks, yes, absolutely. Uh, I spend most of my time at the moment driving around in my car. Uh, but, so this will be a step up. Uh, aside from that, I haven't really been doing a lot. Obviously, Sienna is um, now five months. She's settling nicely. Um, so yeah, work, family, LaveCon, pretty cool actually. Um, okay, well let's have a quick advert and we'll come back with the latest in uh, development news. Space can be lonely, but sometimes that's just what you want. Choose your holiday, the gas giants of Alioth, partying the night away in your Philon Aquila. Or even go back and find your ancestors on Earth. The Rockforth Corporation makes your holiday special. And will let nothing disturb you. Oh, boy, space is cold in here. That commander has a cheek, sitting up in his cosy and warm cockpit while we haul radioactives around his cargo bay. Oh, is it cold? I hadn't noticed. Oh, that's right. Why, you're not even shivering. Maybe it's because I picked up this North Coast cargo bay sweater. It keeps me warm and stylish. So, that is a nice jumper. It's made from the finest Verex wool and handcrafted by novitiates in the underground monastery of Van Manen's Star. Wow. Where can I get one? New North Coast Cargo Bay sweaters. Be the envy of your friends. Wow, every lady from here to the Empire. Be warm and toasty, even on the tenth planet of a dying star. Now on sale at Spark and Mensa. Better now? Better? Why, I feel so warm, I'll probably never catch man flu again. Spark and Mensa. Nothing says sexy I spend like so much time jumper. in my Imperial Trader. I find it really hard to meet people. I mean, when do you get the time? Time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military. But with VenusDating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple. With so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... <laughs> Shooting Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. 
Okay, so let's go straight into the latest development news, and we'll go straight for the dev update from the 16th of July, which had a lovely LaveCon theme to it, because I think the guys had literally just got back from uh, from LaveCon. Uh, what sort of things do we find out in this one? Well, the first one is that for the PC version, uh, the latest patch 1.4 is confirmed as being the uh, CQCC, the close quarter combat championship release um, okay so what did we find out about the anaconda power plant so from talking to people at lavecon um the devs have said that they're actually going to have a look at the anaconda power plant and make it uh, much much more of a tougher prospect to crack i've never had an anaconda not even in the beaters because uh, i'm trying to keep it to being something special something that i can you know build up to and attain and feel like i've earned something so all you guys that are flown around in an anaconda is the power plant particularly easy to pop I think you're actually asking us the wrong way around. When you're destroying an anaconda, do you target the power plant and find it easy to pop? Okay, go with that one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, without more technical knowledge on the subject, it sounds a bit to me like, wah, 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 I've got a massively overpowered ship that has one minor weakness. (laughs) I want that minor weakness to be fixed, so now my ship is totally OP'd. That's what it sounds like to me. Really? Yeah. I, I know what you mean, but on, on the other side of things, in terms of attacking them, yeah, they, they, it does feel like you can pretty much take out an anaconda single-handedly with uh, much smaller ships, so I can kind of understand where they're coming from. Okay, so the aspect as well about the fact that the power plant can now malfunction, as well as purely blow up, is that going to make a big impact to the game? Ooh, definitely, definitely. I love the module malfunctions, they add a lot of variety to the gameplay. Are you some sort of masochist that you love the module malfunctions? <laughs> they're fun. They're great. What did, what's not to like about them? I'm with John on this one, actually. I, I like it when my guns malfunction and fire when I'm not expecting them to yeah, fire, just, not yeah. fire when they don't. That's great they, fun. They turn into a little laser pointer, and that's all they're useful for. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's great. Yeah. Or you shoot the station. Yeah. Uh, ben, John, turn around. Stand in front of each other, look at each other, and I want you to give yourselves a good slap around the face. These just John on three. Silly. <laughs> you guys have obviously never had 88% hull, which is suggestive that you're not doing too badly and have your thrusters shut down and leave you spinning there while three massive ships take pot shots at you, finishing you. It's not fun at all. It's not fair. I have fair. been there. But destroying power plants in and anacondas is by far one of the... It's, it can almost half the time it takes to take them out, so it does need a little bit of redress because it is a big ship and it shouldn't be that easy. It's kind of like the Death Star, isn't it? Just finding <laughs> that, that little ventilator <laughs> port. <laughs> why, why did you put it there in the first place? Come <laughs> on, guys. <laughs> you know, even, even if you put a grating over it, just a grating. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we've analysed their attack plan and there does seem to be a problem. And it's like, really? Seriously, someone go out there and put a piece of cardboard or something over that vent and then we've got problem solved. Anyway, um, do we want to speculate on the uh, the big announcement that they've got coming up at Gamescom? It was in the, the dev update. They've said it's something that they've been working on for a long time. I, I would guess this would be the time and a, f- a few people have asked the question as to whether or not we're going to speculate wildly uh, about what that big announcement could be and this seems to be as good a place as any to do that so uh, let's kick off John I know you're going to uh, to Germany which mm. doesn't make us hate you at all um, but you have actually asked not to be uh, not to be informed as to what's going on haven't you yes specifically I wanted a surprise this time 
So you can speculate as wildly I can as the rest of us. Away. It's great. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, I, I think. I mean, given the time period between the last update and the things they've been working on, I, I would assume they've got some kind of reveal to start to bring Thargoid chips in. You know, it, it kind of it seems like that's that's something they could get done. It wouldn't need a lot of new uh, graphical content and such, but um, something that I think they could introduce now at this point. I think Thargoids. So the first, the first shot out the box is is, is Thargoids. That's what you're saying. I reckon so. Yeah, I mean, it's something they could, I think they could at least put the ships in. There might not be all of the interactions we can do with them, but I think they could at least start to tease them a little bit more. I mean, it, it kind of leans that way with the things we've seen, like the unknown artifacts and stuff like that. That they're, they're gearing up to that. Okay, but didn't they say at Lavecon, without going into the Lavecon se- uh, section of the podcast, did they not say that there's there's no Thargoids created yet? There's no coding for Thargoids in the game at the moment. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean they can't put something in. No, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rate that probably about a, a, a 3 out of 10. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Before you go there, can I just put in something here which might bolster Karash's claim? Yeah. So, our very own Mistress of Minions is saying that she's soon going to have to stop posting on the forums, and she's about to start working on new stuff. Uh, that she definitely cannot talk about. So that's implying the AI for our ships is approaching done. Now, she is a low-level AI designer kind of person, developer. She's a what? She's a a low-level AI developer, i.e. she tells ships how to move and fight and things. No, I thought you were saying and that she, she wasn't, you know, very high ranked or something. No, <laughs> the, they've got low level AIs in flying the ship around, and then high level AI de- guys who are sort of a ship that says, "I'm going to interdict you," deciding that is the high level. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay, so you think she's moving from artificial so, intelligence to alien intelligence? Is that what you're saying? It, it, it's a possibility. Okay, you, you've raised the bar to about a four out of ten. <laughs> Still think it's unlikely, uh, Mr. Stabler. Help him out here. What's what, what's what's going to be released at? Uh, what's going to be announced at Gamescon? Oh, are we just speculating wildly? Are we? Of course um, we are. That's what we do on this show. What are they going to announce? Um, uh, I don't know. A planetary landing. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's my guess. <laughs> okay. It's the one thing that everyone's been. It's. <laughs> Everyone's wished that they would announce, I guess. So I'll be the one to keep on hoping for it. Now the thing is, uh, I don't want to seem ungrateful, but with, like with every update, I'm kind of like um, underwhelmed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like everyone just, gets excited when they say we're going to be releasing something in a couple of weeks' time. It's like, I just oh, think that's be? the best comment ever. I don't want to seem ungrateful, but. You but, always know you're onto a winner when someone comes out with yeah, that. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> but um, I suppose you know I've always secretly hoped when there's a new a uh, new update that they're going to sneak something awesome in, which you know no one was expecting whatsoever. But you know, and to be fair to them, they've been very slow and steady. They've been making sure whatever it is they're releasing is bulletproof, and and it usually is. But it would be nice to be you know absolutely gobsmacked and to have something outrageously good like that. So there you are. That that'll be my guess. Okay, and what sort of timeline do you reckon on that? Oh, three years. <laughs> 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 well, uh, the thing is, this, I mean, so I guess soon it's then. Gonna, 
soon. Probably just before Star Citizen gets completed. <laughs> um, no, I'm joking. Um, no, I, the, the thing is, I'm guessing that to do planetary landings, it's going to take a shed load of work. You know, I mean, it's not just a case of you can fly down to a planet because, you know, there wouldn't be anything there. It would just be, you know, like a height map or something like that. So, you know, they need to make planets interesting, which means, you know, building cities, I'm guessing, or and loads of, you know, in like No Man's Sky, you've got all these um, plants and animals and stuff. You know, they kind of really need that in, especially because David Raven said originally he wants to go big game hunting. Yeah, but does big game hunting actually have to be in Planetary Landings version 1.1? I mean, could you not do Planetary Landings going down and landing on a station? Um, and you could, I don't know, you could be limited. You could literally be limited and, you know, air traffic control can say, you know, you have a, a landing corridor that takes you down from space onto a space station, onto a, a planetary uh, landing pad, and then you're just sort of confronted with the normal sort of station interface i mean that wouldn't take too much to do but you get a nice yeah you you sound like that's the kind of thing i do as a developer is i'd like just like do it really incrementally but at the beginning of the kickstarter david braven did say you know we're not going to do it until we do it properly okay so having one or two technical difficulties on the stream tonight but we'll just carry on regardless so john you were saying that david braven told us that um he didn't want to do planetary landings until he could do it right yeah, so that makes me think it's not going to be piecemeal. You know, when we do finally get it, it will be, you know, nice big drop. Um, but I'm guessing that also we'll know where it's going to come because surely that's the kind of thing they're going to want to hype up big time. Yeah, you'd certainly think so. But um, it's the fact that they said it's been something they've been working on for a long time uh, in the dev update. That's the bit that makes me think that, ooh, could it be something really juicy? Uh, Jarvis? Yeah, well, um, I don't know. It depends. It depends what they consider to be juicy. I mean, I was going to, I was going to agree with John about the planetary landings thing, not because of anything like that, but just because, you know, No Man's Sky is really nipping at kind of elite's heels in terms of the hype machine, and I think if that's a feature that people want, there's a danger of kind of No Man's Sky being first to market. Yeah. with the whole kind of space travel and planetary landings thing. And that's not to say that Frontier are going to rush the job. Um, I think hopefully they learned the lesson from mining that you don't want to just stick out a feature before you've actually got it working properly. Um, but I don't know, something they've been working on for a while. It could be, you know, it, it depends how earth-shattering you consider ship names to be. I mean, for me, <laughs> ship names is like a really big missing feature from Elite. It's not something um, you're going to go and answer Gamescom, though, is it? Yeah, don't know. I for me the ability to carpet bomb um, planet coaster players from space <laughs> is is the multiplayer feature I'm waiting for in Elite. So uh, <laughs> precision precision carpet bombing of roller coasters uh, hopefully is you know is is the killer in the next killer feature. Well, we did say, didn't we, at uh, the LaveCon, if their big reveal at the Q&A was going to be that they had a, an elite dangerous theme for Planet Coast, then we'd probably get booed out of, uh, out of the room. So we're glad that that didn't turn up. So maybe we should have a little bit of faith that uh, that game's gone is going to be something a little bit more spectacular. Okay, anybody else got any suggestions about what it might possibly be? Ben? <laughs> what about either a PS4 version or a Linux version? Ah, well, you see, the Linux version, they kind of covered again in the Q&A that there, there isn't a Linux version planned, but the PlayStation 4 is a good shout, possibly with or without, uh, is it Morpheus, their virtual reality headset? That could be a Christmas release, that could be a big announcement for them. Could be. 
Don't did somebody, sorry, either, I, did somebody say Thargoids? Because I had to go and deal with my uh, smoke alarm at one point. Did somebody <laughs> suggest Thargoids? Yeah, Thargoids was uh, was Mr. Virgo's suggestion straight off the bat. He uh, yeah, he had to ejaculate that straight into the uh, conversation <laughs> at the beginning. So. <laughs> I'm not saying oh. aliens, but it was aliens. <laughs> yeah, we just need to but pump him for more information, don't we? Yeah, I just think that it would be an easy win, wouldn't it? Because I guess it would just be some more ship models or something. That'd be quite an easy one to deliver on. Yeah, that would be more their style, you know, yeah. judging on past releases. It's the fact that it's Gamescom. It's the fact that it's a big, um, you know, it's a big industry, um, you know, convention thing that, you know, if they rolled up with their stand and said, you know, this is Elite Dangerous, this is a fantastic game, and our new feature is going to be Dargoids. I'm just not sure if the press would get behind that. I'm not sure if that's a big enough or a juicy enough announcement. I think it's big. It's a big announcement for the existing, you know, all the hardcore early backers who've wanted to, you know, see it. But is that I, an announcement? I guess, yeah. yeah. Is that an announcement that you're going to make at Gamescom, though? No, so it, it takes you back to something that's big and going to kind of try and draw attention away from, you know, No Man's Sky and Star Citizen. Well, I mean, the only thing we haven't mentioned then is possibly uh, landing in stations or boarding other players' ships, walking around in ships. These are the other ones that we haven't covered off. Are these likely? Um, well, it'd be Not nice, yet, I think. It'd be nice, but I don't know, um, I, I can't even remember back to the original Kickstarter, did they ever lay out a timeline of, you know, the major, what they referred to as the major expansions back then, you know, was walking around going to come before planetary landings or vice versa? But they did say that the designs of the ships have borne the kind of internal structure in mind. Yeah. So yeah. it's not, it's not, you know, it's not massively far off in, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, it's all there under the hood. I mean, when they've been designing ships, they've they've had this sort of 3D model in mind. But, yeah, I mean, then you've still got to have the whole first-person element sort of built into the game. I, I'm not a designer. I have no idea how difficult it is. I mean, obviously, they did the outsider, so yeah, we know the engine can do it. But yeah. hey, You can do it in Unity. It's easy. <laughs> we should ask Ro- Chris Roberts how easy it is. <laughs> Ooh, fine talk. Uh, uh, there's a guy in chat ro- in the chat room, sorry, or a guy or gal, I don't know, um, Starion, who said, wireframe graphics mode. That, that, that could be awesome. <laughs> Did we not have that with the wireframe uh, skin for the Cobra? Oh, yeah, but it'd be awesome if it's proper wireframe. Could you imagine trying to replace CQC with wireframe graphics? You'd <laughs> be just flying into stuff. That sounds cool. Uh, John, save us. Come up with a serious suggestion. Um... Not you. Uh, the other John. <laughs> the other John. Me. Me. Okay, seriously, just, um Player avatars. Customizable player avatars. There we go. <laughs> okay, so your big suggestion is dolls. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so we all get dolls that we can put makeup on and, and put hats ones. on and you stuff. Can, you can put oh. custom decals and stuff on your mate. You can look down at that chest plate and you can see your custom decals on it. How cool would that be? Well, okay. my, I, I think that sounds absolutely <laughs> awesome. But again, you know, is that, think, is that thinking a bit small for Gamescom again? I don't know. Probably, yeah. Actually, I have a serious question. Um, really? I guess for John. You're on the wrong yeah, side. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure this is <laughs> But, no, didn't... Um, oh, Swotor do... Basically, they announced Revan at something like Gamescom. And Revan was their big bad, or their big good, actually. 
from their original Knights of the Old Republic games. But he's not really a big Star Wars figure apart from in their relatively small fan base at the time. Yet that was a massive announcement for them, introducing Revan. I think Thargoids would probably be the same kind of effect as doing something like that. Okay, so if we're going to put our money on the table, then what are, we, are we leaning towards Thargoids first, followed by well, planetary hang on, landings? Hang on, hang on. Just one more before you do that. Corbin in the chat room says he refers to second-tier NPCs, if you remember back yeah. in the original uh, proposals. Mm. Um, they used to have this concept of NPCs that you could interact with a bit more than just shoot them or them sledging you over comms. You know, actually, you know, building up reputations with NPCs. So, you know, that would be a nice feature to see implemented. But, yeah, go on, Foz. You were going to say, put the yeah, cards on. If we were going to be betting men, what would Yeah, if you, were betting, if you were betting on it, we'd have Thargoids first, I'm guessing, uh, although I don't agree with you. Uh, Thargoids first, then what, planetary landings? That would be, you know, that's my hope of hopes. And go on, I'll, I'll put a fiver on it. <laughs> my my money would actually be on planetary landings as a staged entry, so not yeah. Earth-like worlds and things like that, but landing on the moon and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John, anything to add, Mr. Virgo? Bobbleheads. Oh, bobbleheads. You're not even giving any odds on the Borg. <laughs> Strangely enough, Grant. No. We're not. Okay, let's so let's draw that to a close. In a couple of weeks, aren't you? <laughs> and we're going to find it out on um, what is it? August the fifth. Uh, it opens up for the uh, the press, so we should find more information out when it uh, when it opens up for that. But you never know. Maybe Frontier will uh, will give us a few more teasers before then. So maybe on next week's show we can we can see what uh, what more juicy information they've given us in the newsletters and stuff, and we can uh, we can speculate some more because that's obviously what we love to do on this show. Um, obviously. Crash, you're going, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about the uh, elite meet in Cologne. Um, they're obviously getting together a hundred fans uh, for an evening of um, whining and dining and exclusive content and uh, special guests and things like that, which again doesn't make us jealous in any way, shape, or form that you're going. I, I must admit, actually, that this was a surprise to me. I didn't know they were doing this until the the day after it was announced. I think <laughs> so. I, uh, I yeah, I don't know whether I'm going to that or not. I I'm going to be there in, in proximity, so I might be with the crew, but we'll see. Um, yeah, another nice surprise. Like I said, I've been trying to stay out of the loop on these things. That's it. They haven't mm, told I, you. You haven't got they, a ticket. No, no, I, don't, I, don't know, I know nothing more about it. Literally, I found out because the translation was being put up on the uh, site and we, the moderators were talking about it, uh, and that's how I found out. So, yeah, trying my best to stay out of the loop. I don't want to get myself in trouble because I, I noticed we were just saying about the second-tier NPCs in the chat there, and I was like, oh, God, I'm staying out of this because the last time I mentioned that, people thought I was confirming it. So <laughs> <laughs> staying out of it, staying out. <laughs> right. Okay, well, let's move on then. Let's go into uh, this week's newsletter, uh, most of which were actually covered off, but the, the big one out of this was obviously the um, the link to the, the CQC live stream. Now, um, this was on Wednesday with uh, Ed and CQC designer Dan Davies, and they did an hour-long Twitch TV to take a tour of the uh, Elevate and the, the Cluster Compound, which are the CQC maps, uh, which are in the Xbox One game preview release. Now, 
this was the first time I'd actually sort of spent any time looking at CQC, and there were a few things to pick out here that I actually thought, you know, this this isn't as bad as I thought. And I have to be honest, I'll hold up my hands as being one of these people that saw it and thought, meh, console game modes, not really the sort of thing that's going to interest me at all. But actually... It looks pretty darn cool. You know, I, I, I'm coming round to it. I, I mean, the Condor itself. I mean, let's, let's go into the Condor to start with. What do you guys think of uh, of that little ship? It was stunning. Yeah. Um, it's like what? Uh, it's like uh, an eagle on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> and it look it looks quite a haunting thing to come up against. But yeah, the the way it was handling was pretty. Spe- you know, it's a very similar shape to the eagle, just a bit wider. There's room in the cockpit. But you can actually see your knees, unlike the eagle. And uh, after flying it for a couple of hours, I believe you can still feel your toes. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. I thought they were saying that the cockpit, they actually had to scale the HUDs down and things like that because the cockpit is actually so tiny. Yeah, it, it is. It's very, very small, particularly if, if you've got it like uh, in, a, in a DK2 or something like that. It feels tiny, really, really tiny. That's interesting. I haven't thought about a DK2. I mean, you can literally just see. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no um, there's no door in the Condor, is it? It's literally it's uh, what is it? A lift up canopy to get into it. It's it's like an escape pod with wings, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's tiny. <laughs> that is right. But it it's, does. I'm thinking yeah. of the the Imperial Eagle, which is is the the, the Eagle on steroids. Come on, we're coming to that, that late. The, the Condor's the one where basically you're sitting with your nose pressing against the cockpit. Yes, that's the one. Yes, it's yeah, looks pretty frightening too. Yeah, if there was ever a uh, a motorcycle uh, in Elite Dangerous, this is the sort of thing that the Condor would be. I mean, it's it's ridiculously nimble. It's it's tiny, Um, but the engine noise on it is awesome. It it sounds almost like um like an electric bike. It's it's it sounds completely different to any of the other ships that we've seen so far in Elite Dangerous. but I, I just worry. I mean, those condors—they they pop, you know, one shot, and you're, you know, poof. So I'm not, uh, I'm not, ins- I'm not entirely convinced. I've got the balls to fly one around a CQC map. I think I would spend a lot of time in pieces and not actually much time killing things. But the um, the other thing that we saw in that video was obviously the uh, the gorgeous blue color of it, uh, and confirmation that for CQC maps, there's going to be uh, sort of like a, a red versus blue uh, team up thing going on. Uh, which I think is quite a, quite a nice idea. Um, anything else about the Condor that you guys specifically sort of picked up on? I just love how manoeuvrable it is, how flying down the corridors and everything. It just looks so much fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's very, very quick. And like Dan was uh, demonstrating there, the fact that you can do like 180 turns, uh, you know, on a six-punt sort of thing, it, it is really, really good fun to play. Okay, I mean, so obviously it is very fast, and you know, what we heard about on the Twitch stream is that you know CQC is meant to be a very fast-paced um, game mode. Do you think? Uh, and again, this is a question that I want to come into a little bit later in the uh, community shoutouts and stuff. Uh, but do you think that obviously with the the age of um, Elite Dangerous's player base being quite old, do you think this is going to be uh, sort of passed by the uh, you know the older generation? Do you think it's it's something that they're going to see is for for Twitch gamers and you know not for me? Well, I think this is their attempt to kind of broaden, you know, the appeal of the game. You know, I dare say there will be some people... I mean, there's already been some people complaining that their reactions are so slow now that they can't even play the main game. And most people, uh, most reviewers, you know, think of Elite as a kind of a sedate experience. Uh, 
Um, but this, you know, looks a lot faster um, because of the nature of the ships that you're playing, and it's it's all about, you know, the maps are quite contained, and it's flying around as, you know, using obstacles to kind of, you know, protect you from lasers and things like that. So um, I think it's, it's going to appeal to slightly different people. I'm hoping that I'm not too old. I'm hoping that I can <laughs> pick it up. Because, um, um, as I said um, before, I am interested in it. Um, and as somebody pointed out, oh, I think it was Ed on the stream, but other people have said this, that, um, you know, it's a way for people to do some PvP, um, but, you know, they don't have to risk their ship, you know, so I think it's quite handy like that. Um, but again, they were trying to talk about it being a competitive game, you know, or potentially a competitive game. Um, but as I've said on previous episodes, I can't understand how you can have a competitive game when newbies are going to be, um, you know, hamstrung by not having everything unlocked. But yeah, yeah it's an interesting idea. I mean, you talk about this all the, the environments. One of the things that was confirmed on the stream was that the environments are going to be destructible, which could be quite an interesting um, strategy to adopt. Well, yeah, that whole thing of you've got to shoot the doors to get through them or, you know, there's, you know, the corridors are really thin unless you blow something up to kind of get through there. It's really kind of trying to recreate those, you know, that, those Death Star moments, you know, explosions in a, in a tight space and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. But, um, and again, I was going to say, harping back to the retro lave at uh, LaveCon, we chose Descent 2 because it was the closest thing we could actually find. Um, to uh, to what we thought CQC looked like before the the event, and you know, obviously in Descent Two, you're flying through a very sort of tight, confined space. You're shooting open doors and trying to track down your opposition and stuff. So, yeah, you could be argued that you know the the CQC has uh, you know, a lot of its foundations actually in the uh, the old Descent games. Okay, so obviously the other things to pick up from that is that the stream was confirmed to be from the Xbox One, uh, so we don't know how pretty this is going to look on the the PC. But even on the Xbox One, I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was looking exceptionally smart. Would you guys think um, yeah, the, the, of the graphics and the, the smoke effects and things like that, uh, John? As in Crash. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it was definitely running out. I can confirm that um, Ed's got a. Uh, a- capture car. I know a couple of people in the chat were saying, it's like, oh, I can hear PC sounds, and he's doing this, he's doing this. Like, yeah, he's got a capture card with the Xbox going into the PC, so, you know, don't have a fit. Um, yeah, it, it was looking uh, pretty good. I think they, they had most of the effects in there. Um, I didn't really see much of a difference from the version I was playing in the office uh, last month. Uh, that was obviously running on PC on a dev build, um, but I didn't see much of a difference. I think they've done a pretty good job to map it from A to B. Okay, and whilst you're wandering around Frontier Towers, you didn't happen to see the PC version running on any of the machines at all, did you? Just well, well, as a comparison? Effectively, effectively I, I was uh, practicing on the version running on the PC, um, so it was it was virtually identical. I didn't see a difference between the two. Cool, excellent. Yeah. Uh, okay, anything else um, that people want to cover off on the uh, the CQC again? I think this is going to be a very big element of uh, Gamescom. I think we're going to see a lot more of it over the next couple of weeks. Um, and actually, you know, from that, uh, that that stream, it's actually something that I'm going to get behind now. It's something that I'm going to look forward to jumping into. And, you know, who knows? It's uh, We could have some some CQC live radio nights and... Uh, and see how who is the best uh, who is the best on the crew to actually uh, survive these things. 
he's over there. No, I'd, I'd like to just go back and say, I mean, I don't think um, saying that as, as a, you know, an older generation of gamers, it's not going to appeal to everyone. I, th- I think it's going to be great. I, you know, if we, if we don't feel that we can keep up with uh, you know, kids with faster reaction times, for example, let's set up our own tournament. We're playing against each other. You know, it just, it, just, you know it, it, that's the great thing about it. We, we can play it the way we want to play it. So it's, uh, I, I'm keen for it. Absolutely. Yeah, it hasn't even been launched and we're already talking about setting up a veterans league. Why not? <laughs> Grant? Yeah, well, one of the things that was interesting in the stream was the discussion of the arena walls. I mean, we're all familiar with the flying into the invisible brick wall as you're heading out of the arena, or the you have three seconds to turn around or your ship will explode kind of reactions. And what was confirmed was it's a soft wall, which essentially means you can continue to fly and fly in a straight line. I don't think you'll ever hit anything but you'll probably be dead before you get far enough away because you're going in a straight line and everybody else will be able to shoot you quite easily from behind. So it, it, it does to me sound like a, a, a fantastic alternative when you, you're having that night where you're, oh, I can't face trading and I don't really want to go do bounty hunting and then you've got a wee group of friends, oh, fancy a beer and some CQC. And, you know, I can see it feeling like Grand Theft Auto. You jump into Grand Theft Auto and sometimes you can't be arsed doing any missions. You just want to get your pals together and do something really ridiculous like stealing a bus and then driving it to the beach and shooting everybody in the way. You know, it's just that, <laughs> that instant gratification's there and that's that, that, that suits old people as well as young. Okay, speaking about instant gratification, Ben, have you got anything to add? I was going to point, you said that they've got destructible, um, oh, destructible environment and it's only certain elements that are destructible. Ah, uh, okay, fine, I did so- you know, you, you know how pernickety some of our audiences. <laughs> okay, well let's leave uh, let's leave CQC there for the time being, and let's leave the newsletter there, in fact, and go on to uh, the rare goods contest that's been running over the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is obviously where Frontier have invited the community to come up with some some rare. Uh, goods that can be injected into the game a competition that closes on it closed on actually the 19th of July um, to get a new uh, made by the community rare goods, tradable goods item uh, into the game and just looking at it now the the top 7 have been selected, has anybody got the top 7 up in front of them? I do if you want yeah go through the top 7 right so the top 7 are the uh, I'm going to murder this the Sothis Crystalline Gold, the Hassan Mug, Mark. the <laughs> Tylerium Infinity Diamond, the Potricus, maybe? Potricus Scorpion Peppers, Yamazuki Dream Cream, <laughs> Vargasan Platypus, and finally, the Faustian G Jellyfish. Nice. And out of those, do we have... Obviously, the voting is now open, so do we have any front-runners? We've got a massive front-runner of a mug! <laughs> the the Hutton mug. Have you got the description of the Hutton mug in front of you? I do. The, the, actually, I mean, I voted for the Hutton mug myself, and not because of dogs, uh, but because it's actually at Hutton Orbital, and you need something. Yeah, you go to Hutton Orbital, and there is an out there, and you need something. <laughs> So, anyway, the description of the Hutton Mug is Delivered over vast distances by those in search of a profit, the Hutton Mug is sold only to commanders who make the painfully long journey to Hutton Orbital. 
made from salvaged frameshift drive plates of ships that run out of fuel before reaching the station. This is purely a vanity item commemorating the epic journey. Its value lies in its rarity, and latent frameshift energies keep your drink for a little bit warmer for the journey. Availability, one ton. Smashing. And it's available from Hutton Orbital in Alpha Centauri, with the means to create of collect and deliver X tons of scrap and black boxes. Basically, salvage to Hutton Orbital. Cool. And uh, what's the current sort of uh, shared vote? I don't want to jinx anything, because I want this to win, but currently the mug is on 56.57%. Then the Yamazuki Dream Cream on 11. The Vasan Platypus on 9.71. Then the Patriarchus Scorpion Peppers on 8. The Suthis Crystal in Gold on 5.14. The Infinity Diamond also on 5.14. And coming up in last place at the moment is the Faustian Jellyfish. Cool. Okay, and when does that close? Does anybody know? I've not actually... Is it said? Does it say? Does it say? I'm not sure it says. Maybe about a week. I'm sure by the time we come round to uh, next week's show, we should have a winner for you guys. Yeah. I think it's Sunday, isn't it? Is it Sunday? I think, well, I, I, thought, I thought that um, submissions ended this Sunday and the vote went on till next Sunday. That was my memory of it. Maybe, but I'm not sure. I can't see anything in Brett's first post. Mm. Either way. By the time it comes around next week, we should uh, we should have more information on that. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go and kick Skype, uh, have an advert, and then come back for the main discussion this week, which is obviously going to be the LaveCon 2015 debrief. Are you thinking of suing over missile Python protection insurance? Had an accident in an airlock or slipped in a space station cargo bay and thinking of suing for compensation? Well, don't. I tried to take my ship commander to court for making fertiliser out of my crewmates. Legal fees have left me with nothing, and now I'm hungry. All the time. At Watton Prittany, we take small print very seriously. We have a massive team of lawyers just waiting to block your case and ramp up your legal costs. I wanted a simple, no-win, no-fee arrangement. My case got blown out of the water by Watt and Brittany, and now I have to rent out my arse for hydrogen fuel. At Watt and Brittany, we have a saying. If you don't want a beating, stay out of our court. I was savaged by a wild creature whilst fixing a vending machine. Can't I claim compensation? No, you can't, because we have a massive team of lawyers and you're just someone who works for a living. Watt and Brittany, don't even think about it. Okay, and we are back. Uh, the main topic, obviously, for this week's show is going to be LaveCon 2015, which was held uh, last weekend. Was it last weekend? God, it seems like ages ago now. Uh, obviously, we were off air last week because, to be honest, the whole crew was just absolutely knackered. Uh, so we didn't come to the mic on Tuesday. Um, but what I think we're going to do to kick it off, uh, rather than go straight into what we thought about the uh, show, uh, we're going to actually listen to some of the guys that were there from the community, starting off with our own Dave Sellerson Hughes. Dave Sellerson Hughes here. LaveCon. LaveCon 2015. Who would have thought that they could have done a better job than they did last year? Well, this annual swapping over of a hard drive has taken another leap into the unknown and has become a huge event. A huge event which would take a lot of organising and a lot of chances to mess it up. But 
contrary to what everyone thought, they actually managed to do a good job. I'm only kidding, guys. LaveCon this year was a brilliant event, well organised and entertaining to the max. I have had a wonderful weekend, as has my wife and as has everyone I've actually spoken to about it. So a big well done to all you guys for organising and a big thank you for everyone that went. You made it an awesome time. Too many names I could bring out to say thank you to. Just everyone that was there was awesome. Yeah, so looking forward to next year. Well done, Karen. Well done, Alan. Well done, Live Radio crew. Well done, everyone else that was involved in events and podcasts and presentations and panels and everything. I just can't say enough. Um, special thank you go, I would say, go to uh, the hotel as well because they put up with us for a whole weekend. Admittedly, we didn't cause any fights, but we did enjoy ourselves and they made us very, very welcome. Everyone involved, thank you. Well done and looking forward to next year. Four days, anyone? Four days. <laughs> Cheeky son of a bitch. Um, uh, next one comes in from, I think it's Commander Stephen Usher. Commander Stephen Usher here from the Frog System. I must say that the welcome provided by the Lave Station was particularly good, uh, especially for those commanders who had engine problems. Um, it seems that it all worked out in the end. The entertainments were excellent. While some Imperial person or other had blue hair, I seem to remember... But that didn't really upset the situation. Oh, and there was an ambassador as well, or some senator or something. Anyway, toodle pip. <laughs> I think that just goes to show the sort of uh, level of uh, interaction and, and uh, role-playing that we get at these sort of events. But uh, obviously those are two uh, prominent members of the community. Uh, this next bit of feedback, interesting enough game, from a guy who um, basically didn't play Elite Dangerous, uh, and found out about uh, the con just because he was local to the area. So it's a little bit lengthy, but uh, it gives an interesting insight to uh, to what it's like joining this wacky bunch of people if you're not actually coming from the background of playing uh, Elite Dangerous, the computer games. Hello, my name is Alan Window. I'm a uh, local to LavCon. Um, I don't play the game, so I don't have a commander name, though. On the Friday evening in the pub, during the role-playing game, I was given the super-conta Commander James K. How did I find out about LAVCON? Well, I'm a member of USS Naseby, where the Star Trek group for Northamptonshire. You can find us on Facebook and on the web, etc. And we do monthly, bi-monthly events where we get together and discuss the finer points of Star Trek, and more importantly, which beer to drink. Um, normally in bars, but like on occasion we've done carnivals, where we've entered a carnival and walked around as a group raising money for charities. The whole point of it is to raise money for charity, to, as one must when isn't affiliated officially with Paramount Pictures. But it's an excuse for us to get together. We're all geeks, we're all Star Trek fans, and much like LavCon is a group for elite players, Naseby is a group for Star Trek fans. But LavCon popped up. Somebody said, have you heard of this? Well, it's, it's on our territory. It's 10, 15 minutes from home. Of course I'm going to go and check it out. And whilst you're very computer gaming based, there was the timetable was just so full of things, so many things to do. So I thought, fabulous, let's get over there. So I cosplayed the Doctor. Hello, I'm the Doctor. I came to your planet because I love humans. You're so full of fun and games and toys and gadgets and gizmos. 
basically I had a whale of a time. Uh, I, I turned up and uh, the first thing I did after going into the bar and getting a free coffee, you had free coffee throughout the weekend, nice touch. The bickies were nice too. They were doing some live role playing and jugger. No idea on jugger. Live role play in my day was real weapons because you didn't have any of these fancy safe ones. Well, I was taught in the use of the safe ones and a bit of staff work. And then the jugger game came. Oh, my good God. You run around like a mad thing, swatting at each other with your weapons, pulling the weapon stroke, always do it. And the big staff I had was completely foam covered. So, so being hit with it was like, oh, I've been touched. I mean, I got clocked so many times with swords. And it's literally, oh, I've been, someone's tapped me. Fine. There's no weight to it. There's no, it's all very safe. It was a good laugh. And the game of jugger was a scream, especially when we had two young kids sub in as the seeker or the chaser or whatever it is, I don't know. The people what run around like mad things, because of course the rest of us chase them and the little buggers can move. Never did catch one. But anyway, it was a good laugh. I enjoyed it immensely. Great to handle these new LRP weapons and to be short, shown how to use them. And of course, jugger's a nice, quick, easy way to introduce the whole concept. I must watch the movie now, of course. Um, what else did I do? Oh, at one point it was so warm that I, I sat down with a nice big drink and had a wonderful discussion with a games designer about balance in games. You know, how, how do you balance the zombies versus the, the, the players? Because if it's too lopsided, it becomes boring. You know, even the fourth doctor, with for all his brilliance and mind and sonic screwdriver, still had to use his scarf on one or two occasions to try to lasso a switch or try to tie up the baddie. And ultimately, it's about balance. So that was a great discussion. Um, Munchkins was played. Oh, toys. Oculus Rift. If you haven't used it, do. Get hold of one. Beg, borrow, steal, sell your children. Get hold of one to play with one. I tried one on, and they put me into the um, into somebody's spacecraft and obviously put me onto a training mission so I couldn't destroy it. And I had to fly it in, and you have all these fancy joysticks, and oh my God, what a game. VR has changed like there is no tomorrow. And this Oculus Rift is a scream. It's like you're physically inside the aircraft. At one point, I was leaning right the way forward so I could look over my shoulder and out of the top window. Oh, wow. And then they took me into uh, hyperspace. I don't know what term it is time warp, time tunnel, and it was just like Doctor Who. It was wonderful fun. But I can see why the game's addictive, because the graphics were out of this world, pun intended. Then that was the Oculus Rift. What a game. Can't recommend it too much. Other games. Artemis. Whole room filled out. I was the comms, because I like to talk, and I don't really know what's going on. And I was sort of interacting with other space stations and other aircraft and trying furiously to get myself all sorted out and our team sorted out and, and reporting back to the captain and I had control of the big red button for uh, red alert, red alert. And of course when you hit the red alert button, the, the whole room lit up differently and the little sounds were going on and it was all immersive and it was a scream and we were constantly fighting the baddies and I'd, I'd demand they surrender and they'd surrender and I'd go, Captain, they've surrendered and he goes, too late, the missiles are launched boom so that was a great scream oh, and the final thing I did by this point in the afternoon it was too hot so I changed into my Star Trek gear and went and had a go at Star Wars miniatures um, my eventual game was up against a pilot, so whilst I had the better aircraft, 
he was far, far, far better pilot. And I eventually beat him by just blind luck, I think, and the fact he kept crashing into asteroids. And then, of course, it was time for me to go. So I handed him over to another poor fool for him to whop. Overall, LAVCON is a great convention, even if you are not an elite player, even if you don't play the computer game. There were so many other things going on, so many things you could just do and chat to people. And, of course, you're all nutters and great fun and geeks. So I had a whale of a time. Recommend it. If you're in Northamptonshire next year, I'll see you next year. Excellent stuff. So I think uh, you'd all agree that it's it's quite interesting seeing it from uh, from the point of view of an outsider. Uh, what these sort of conventions like, like this one, uh, Elite Meet and, and the likes, are are like for people that don't actually play Elite Dangerous. I mean, I do remember I do remember him obviously saying the uh, the Doctor. Uh, he stood up like a, a sore thumb, being the only person dressed as Tom Baker wandering around the place. But uh, that was a really nice guy, and it was uh, very nice of him to uh, to give us that bit of feedback. And nice that he's going to come back next yeah, year I as well. I think I want to go to LAVCON, actually. <laughs> yes, LAVCON, for all your toiletry requirements. Uh, but there again, Elite's always been one of those wonderful ones for uh, for pronunciations. So, uh, yes, like the Cobra Mark III, etc. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, Let's start off then. Let's let's talk about some of our highlights, our lowlights, and uh, everything in between. Um, so I have two childhood heroes when it comes to computer gaming. Two geniuses that created you know, alternative words in which my ten-year-old self would escape to uh, when the real world got too uh, too much or just plain sucked. One of these is obviously David Braben, the creator himself. The other is the amazing designer of Chaos Battle of Wizards, Rebel Star, and uh, Laser Squad, Julian Gollop. So, from my point of view, my LaveCon 2015 got off to a great start when, during the opening and introduction message of the con, I completely and utterly forgot to mention that Julian had travelled all the way from Bulgaria to talk to us about his new Chaos Reborn game. Um, So, that was one of those sort of wanting the ground to open up and uh, swallow me moments. Um, but I have to say, after that, uh, the rest of the con went uh, went pretty well, um, setting the bar low. Um, but it was um, it was an amazing three days for me, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, always busy, though, ridiculously busy. I think we'll probably cover that on, uh, on what everybody else is going to talk about. But uh, my highlights, no big surprise, has to be the Frontier Q&A, really. Um, John, give me your highlights and lowlights. Stabler. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. Um, I d- well, definitely the highlight is is got to be uh, meeting Julian Gollop. Um, he was like a major uh, inspiration to me when I was, you know, I, I owned a Spectrum, and that game. I, I'm surprised I never wore the tape out of the original Chaos. So it was great to meet him. Um, I wish I could have spent more time with him, but Jarvis kept on stealing him and, and taking him away to go and play games and stuff while I was stuck in the Chaos Reborn <laughs> tournament room. So thanks for that, Jarvis. Um, no I'm worries. sure that you got. You got a lot of quality time with him, so um, yeah, that was that was good. I did, I did, um, but we're not talking about me yet. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll, we'll 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 leave that to you. You can tell us what you got up to with him. Um, I did my talk on um, uh, violence in video games. Which yeah, which was... I'm I'm gutted because I, I missed this, and this was one of the ones that I sort of I'd ringed in my um, uh, my schedule that I I had to come and uh, listen to, and I missed it. Well, your ring wasn't big enough, obviously. Mm, so, I've got a pretty um, big ring. I mean, um, yeah, obviously not. So, yeah, so um, you, you missed it good. Um, I don't know if I can retire it because we didn't record it after, so I don't know, maybe I can just 
next next year. If anybody missed it this year, I can kind of just whip it out late in the evening and um, show it to a few people. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds sounds like a recommended approach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, the we're still um, talking about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. No, this I is the back to LavCon with the yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, I, it was great. Um, we did some interesting panels that um, I kind of, when I say I took part in, I think I sat on one panel and I didn't speak apart from answer, <laughs> to, 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 to answer Chris Jarvis's question about why I was. Um, and I just sat there, I was just so in awe of Julian. Um, <laughs> And I just didn't feel like I could add anything to any of the the, the question, um, the answers that he gave. So I was just like, okay, fine. I um, have to add at this point that um, I, I left early and uh, I missed that panel. But uh, thankfully, thanks to, to Grant and his brother for the uh, the Twitch stream, I was able to watch that panel back uh, a couple of days later. And you're right, John. Apart from answering that question, you sat there and just made gooey eyes at Julian Gollop for the entire panel. And it was hilarious. Yeah so yeah um, it, it was one of those f- panels though it was one of those panels where you realised that I mean you were talking about sort of trends in gaming and I sort of looked around and thought god everyone on this panel is more qualified than me to <laughs> because we had you know you know you got Lisa who's uh, sort of you know full full sort of as near as full-time games journalist you're julian gollop who's a professional games developer and you've got darren gray who while not being a professional games developer you know he does spend a lot of his time working in game development communities because of his involvement with the roguelike stuff and you do just think what can i say that is not going to just be a massive fraud <laughs> i don't know i thought you you and lisa managed to steer that panel quite well it was an interesting panel i watched it all the way through um so yeah, so so panels was uh, was the th- one of the themes of the convention, uh, and certainly from my point of view, I think one of the most interesting panels that uh, I took part in was um, just the history of um, space sims, which was great. We had around about sort of I think we had twenty to thirty people in a room that had far too little air conditioning, uh, and the whole idea of the the panel was we'd literally basically throw up some games that we all loved playing from the the years gone by, and we'd just literally go around the room and talk about them, and yeah, we talked about everything from uh, Kerbal Space Program, we talked all about uh, Wing Commanders, we talked about uh, Star Lancer, and just literally just went around the room talking about people's experiences, you know, shared some of the you know, trivia that we knew about the particular games and development and you know, things that we liked about them, things that we didn't, and uh, I think that's been one of the most fun hours I've spent with the, uh, yeah, the Elite Dangerous community uh, in the whole three years that I've been part of it. What other panels uh, did you guys? Obviously, you've got the the Frontier Q and A. Should we uh, should we talk about that particular panel? Are we allowed to talk can, about this panel? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, we can certainly talk about the stuff that's come out uh, subsequently from the panel that we've seen in other sources that wasn't us, first of all. And if we get into trouble, we'll just point and say, look, they did it first. So <laughs> let's start off with uh, the, one of the things that we've mentioned here in terms of Gamescom, which I thought I'd save until this particular bit, and that's the one of um, Linux. Um, someone asked whether or not um, there has been any sort of uh, move towards the development of a Linux port, and Michael Brooks said uh, that there's no work being done on a Linux port and currently no plans to work on a Linux port obviously with the caveat that if they ever showed that there was a a market for it then it's something they'd certainly look at but just at the time being um, yeah there isn't going to be a port to Linux now I've seen Linux bandied around quite a lot on the forums and in some of the chat channels is there actually a marketplace for um, for Linux 
I mean, I've never used Linux at all, so, you know, you guys tell me. There's a marketplace for it, I think, but I suspect every gamer who would rather play on Linux also has a Windows machine, or they at least dual boot. So whilst they might prefer to play on Linux, they can play on Windows. Okay, so they're not going to get any new sales from a... Yeah, or not many new sales from a Linux. Uh, they're not going to get many unique sales. I mean, depending on how they do it, if they if they make you buy a Linux version of the game, unlike what they did for the Mac version, then you know that might not generate a lot of revenue for them. Yeah, it's, I would rather play it under Linux, and they've got a lot of the the infrastructure there with the Cobra engine and the stuff they've done for OS ten, and there is the Steam box, which is basically running Ubuntu. Which will grow the market. Yeah, absolutely. The other interesting one, I think, from that was uh, one of the interesting questions was um, which aspects of the games do the development panel think are uh, feature complete or can be classified as uh, as stick a fork in it, it's done. Um, and I think they said that uh, they don't classify any parts of the uh, the game, uh, particularly as being done in its final version, apart from possibly uh, the flight model, which made Mike Evans smile. Um, do you guys uh, agree with that? Do you think that's uh, a good statement, or is there anything else in there that you think you know it's as, it's as good as it's going to get? It, it's perfection. No, I, think, I think I agree with them definitely. Yeah, I think there's, um, they've always been very open about wanting to balance things. So, obviously, when you release a new feature or a new part of gameplay or a new ship, then suddenly what was balanced before becomes unbalanced. So, I think the knock-on effect and the fact that they are quite openly going, you know, well, nothing's finished, nothing's fixed, and, and nothing will ever really be finished or fixed. It's always going to have to be open and subject to a tweak or two. <laughs> a tweak or two. I like it. Um, okay, uh, I'm just trying to think what other things were, were covered in the, the Q&A. Can anybody think of anything that jumps to mind? Obviously, we've got the reveals um, that Ed Lewis um, did, um, the announcements that were made. I know that it's certainly cropped up on the forum since then. I think it might have even been in the newsletter, but the, uh, the Eagle, the Imperial Eagle... <laughs> It just, I mean, from my point of view, I think it just looks badass. Yeah, it's basically uh, a souped-up version uh, done for a specific role. I think it's more of an interceptor role, isn't it? It's got a faster uh, straight line speed, but it's slightly less manoeuvrable. And we've seen some pictures out in the forum. John, have you had a chance to uh, to fly this one yet? <laughs> no, I can say I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> But no, it does look really, really awesome. I mean, uh, Mike Evans was saying, it, obviously, it was still very much subject to change. Uh, you know, things could be different on it when we finally see it. But one of the things they, they changed was uh, the wingtips have, like, larger engine nacelles to give it more speed. And the top mount, I think, was swapped out from medium hardpoint, wasn't it? So, yeah, more oomph. Uh, and more power to back that up. Mm. But again, yeah, it's it's an imperial ship, so it's had the aesthetic. You know, they, they they've had a look at it, and they've you know they've just made it sexier. You know, that's the thing. From the aesthetic side of things, it just looks badass. Um, speaking about badass, I'm not sure how much this is going to frustrate the people that weren't there, um, but there was another reveal, and that was that the attendees of LaveCon were going to get their own special um, decals and skins. 
for you know turning up to the events now the only way i can describe these if you google uh, alan stroud's uh, lave revolution his new uh, cover for his book uh, has a flaming is it a flaming griffin like the elite logo or is it a flaming phoenix i can't remember from the story we'll have to ask alan i think um, it's a phoenix. I, I think it's a phoenix as well um so yeah so you've got a yes it's a phoenix it is a phoenix okay so it's a, a flaming phoenix uh, emblem uh, which has been sort of expanded to to make up sort of like a paint job for the the vulture, the asp, and the uh, the cobra, and also as a standalone decal that can go onto any ship. And I think there's about two hundred of those given away for the people that were there at LaveCon. Uh, so as far as an exclusive is concerned, that that was that was a pretty nice touch. Um, and it's the one of the guys in the art department whose name I'm going to butcher. Uh, Tajert uh, Kruger is that how you pronounce it? Tajert Kruger anyway um, he basically spent three nights of his own time outside of work uh, designing these and making them work in game um, for the people that uh, that went to, to LaveCon so a massive thank you to him uh, and obviously the guys at Frontier for, for pulling out all the stops and, and giving us something really nice and shiny what other stuff? I think the highlight for me of the whole Q&A came when I think he was probably a seven, eight-year-old boy came up and, uh, and schooled Chris Gregory, the art director, on the ways of some of the original ships, specifically <laughs> um, the Moray Starboats. Uh, asking when the Moray Starboat was going to appear in Elite Dangerous. And unfortunately, Chris Gregory uh, made the cardinal sin and said the Moray what? Obviously, he didn't know the back catalogue of ships from the original uh, game. Uh, fortunately, Mr. Brooks stepped in and, uh, and and took him to task on it and basically said that uh, it's not something they've talked about yet, but yes. I mean, I think, Jarvis, weren't you the one that was saying that the Maury Starboat actually worked underwater? Yeah, I was going to say they did it before because there was a question about... Um at one point about EMP and um, someone responded to it and said what's an EMP which was slightly worrying um, yeah Maury Starboat was basically the, the really cool submarine from um, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea or whatever that series was called so you've basically got a submarine that can fly that's, that's basically what you want from the Maury Starboat so it's kind of caught up the whole thing's caught up in planetary landings you know you want an awesome ship that you can fly all the way down from space and then explore kind of underwater cities and docks that'd be crazy it would be crazy yeah shove that in your pipe and smoke it no man's skies yeah we're, we're no man's oceans that's what we are Elite Dangerous. Um, what else did we see? I did particularly like um, just that random moment when a baby at the back of the room burst into uh, loud sobbing cries when Michael Brooks mentioned the PvP for the first time. I thought that was wonderfully <laughs> well-timed. <laughs> uh, obviously, we had um, someone who's obviously not a big PvP fan. Um, Let's have a look. I, I, the one thing that did come out of it, which I was quite surprised about, especially considering that we had the the Lave radio panel just before it, uh, where everybody was talking to us about um, you know power play not being as spectacular as they were hoping for, and you know some of the things CQC not being what they wanted. You know, I was expecting there to be a lot more negativity when the uh, when the devs came into the room, uh, but there was none of that. Everybody was uh, asking lots of questions, um, but there wasn't much controversy. 
controversy. Uh, everybody was really sort of um, positive and upbeat about it, and really upbeat about the way that the uh, you know, the, the developers are actually taking the game. Were you uh, surprised at that? Would you have rather seen you know a little bit more of a sort of you know of what the you know, WTF about some of the stuff that have come out, Ben? I'm not actually that surprised by it at all. Um, what did surprise me, though, was unlike last year, we had people que- you know, queuing up well, almost around the room at one point trying to get que- get their questions in, which was, was lovely, but it meant that we didn't get a chance to actually ask the, the maybe harder questions. Because um, I know I had a couple of things lined up. I'm sh- I know you had a few things lined up. And everybody was asking all these fanboy questions, which was lovely. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but we we need to know these things and this and this and this. <laughs> and you're asking them like, hi, thank you. I I really like the color of my ship. <laughs> you know, it has to say something when a nine or ten year old asks the hardest question going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean. Obviously, uh, we would love to play you the uh, the Q and A from uh, from Frontier, but in order for the guys there to actually be able to, yeah, be at ease and, and be comfortable and relaxed answering the questions, they asked us to uh, to switch off the stream and the recording for the uh, Q and A session. We thought we had um, we thought we had it backed up, but it turns out we didn't. So uh, what we'll do is we will try and do some sort of collation of all the questions that were asked and the answers as well so do us a favor guys if you were one of the people at lavecon that asked a question post it to us on the lave radio facebook page or send us an email at info at laveradio.com we will compile them and we'll get back to you next week with uh, a full sort of q a about what was discussed at the uh, panel okay anything else that anybody wants to cover off on the uh, frontier q a panel mr virgo uh no i don't think so uh just Wanted to just remind you that uh, that kid that was uh, Commander Gene Bellows' son, I believe. Oh, was it? Uh, I was well. paying attention. It was because he came and sat next to me, and we had a, a good long chat about your Elite Two on the Amiga. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, as I say, he was the he was the hard nosed uh, investigative reporter in the room. So uh, <laughs> fair play to him. Uh, I think he was also one of the guys that. Um, uh, Alan Window was talking about being the seeker or the chaser uh, in Jugger that he couldn't catch as well. So uh, well done for both those aspects. Um, okay, the um, other panels for those people that have been following it on Late Radio and have bought the game. The Chaos Reborn panel, I think, was a, a really interesting look at uh, at an indie game developer studio and uh, yeah. The, what goes into uh, to making a title such as Chaos Reborn? John, I know you were doing the uh, the roving mic on this one, so uh, what came out of the uh, the, the uh, Chaos Reborn panel that particularly uh, sparked your interest, Mr. Stabler? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, i got to say I was quite impressed with Julian. That, um, and I'm not, I don't mean it to flatter him, as you'll see in a bit. I mean, he, um, it's quite easy to, you know, kind of just look at him and, and make all kinds of assumptions because he's he's a bedroom coder, uh, which I think is awesome. Um, but he's such a professional and he's such a good communicator as well. So, 
I mean, he was there to promote his game at the end of the day. So, of course, the the whole thing started off with him talking about the game and how awesome it is. And, you know, I can confirm it is awesome. Um, but it was great as well to see that the room was actually full, that there was a lot of people there who, who were interested in the game who perhaps hadn't actually seen it before. Um, and, you know, there were some great questions going to him. Personally, I thought the best question um, was the one that I asked, which was, where is Magic Fire, the spell? <laughs> and we, we got an answer on that. It's going to be there in the next update. So um, uh, I was pretty happy. But um, I recommend if, if you want to, um, if you haven't played Chaos or even if you have played it, check out uh, the, the, the Twitch stream of it because it's well worth it. Because you kind of, you, you get to see how a game was, you know, taken from, you know, the first concept, which was a board game. Uh, and then it was kind of developed into an 8-bit, what I, what I consider quite a complex 8-bit game, you know, some of the technology he had to work with. Um, and then obviously then he presented the new version, um, but it was great how, you know, it was really obvious that he kept so much of the old game in. So yeah, definitely check that out. Okay, and how did the, uh, the Chaos Reborn tournament go for you? How did the tournament go for me? Well... <laughs> I was actually taking part because, you know, I, I had a long think about it and I thought, well, there's nothing to stop me from playing because, you know, I can't cheat and, you know, there's enough people around that, you know, they'll spot it if I'm cheating. So I took part in it and it started off really well because I killed Alan Stroud in three moves. Um, so uh, that I... I, I but so I think that gave me too much confidence because then I got absolutely slaughtered by everybody else I was too um, too reckless and I was you know from the from the get go I was attacking other wizards but of course I left myself vulnerable to uh, certain spells so um, that was unfortunate but the actual tournament was great I wanted to probably talk about this a bit later but I'll, I'll mention it now um, I was aware that sign up for, for the event was, was a bit um, problematic in trying to get people first of all to sign up in the first place but also um, you know, obviously games can go on for 20 minutes or even longer. And so um, it was kind of hard to schedule people in. And then, you know, we tell people what time it was. But obviously there's so much going on uh, at the events. We had to kind of go running and chasing people down to tell them it was their turn. So hopefully that's something that we can fix for next year. But apart from that, the game, some of the games um, generated some fantastic moments, which is probably all down to the game in that, um, you know, there's no hit points or anything like that. Um, if you attack something, there is a chance that you will kill it. Even if you're a, a tiny little rat, there's a chance that you will kill the epic dragon that somebody's just cast. Um, and there was plenty of moments like that. And I thought that we really sold the game to the people who came along to play it. Yeah, great stuff. Jarvis, what was your yeah, interaction I, with Mr. Gollop like? No, I, I can second that about Chaos Reborn. I think they must have sold five or six copies of the game that weekend at least just people saying including Kate I mean Kate went away and said I'm getting this game tonight and I'm playing it tonight and well actually she didn't I'm she didn't start buy start. it she, she didn't buy well, it she, she won, won it, the tournament she? yeah, yeah, yeah. she bought the steam key yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool no I mean I, um, I I had good fun with the chaos tournament um, at one point on Sunday it was weird because um, Julian was, was was there sort of helping some of the the newbie players understand it so on the saturday tournament i was drawn against a complete newbie who had julian sitting next to him what to do so i basically played julian in that round kind of and went uh, there was a moment i sensed blood when julian had to go 
out of the room and deal with something. And I thought, brilliant, I've got the newbie on their own. Um, but by then, the game was quite advanced. So I, I lost in that round. And then on the Sunday morning, John came and found me and said, oh, we're playing a chaos game. I'm like, oh, okay, who's up? And he said, it's you, me, and Julian. So it's like, so I'm playing a three-way chaos match with you, who's put hours and hours into the game, and the man who designed it. So I just thought, I'm going to lose. I'm really going to lose. And my opening strategy was to let Julian and John kind of wear each other down for a while. Um, <clears throat> but no, John came after me, and I think I managed to knock you out reasonably early, didn't I? Um, and then somehow I managed to squeak a victory against Julian himself, which has got to be good if you beat someone at the game that you know they designed. That's got to feel good, hasn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how bad memory is as well, because actually it was Julian who killed me with a magic ball. Oh, was it? Uh, but, yeah, I went chasing <laughs> after him. You were right. You had the right um, strategy to leave yeah. his duke out. Um, so I kind of weakened him, chased him around the map, made him waste a couple of spells. So oh, yeah, you. It was maybe, your monster that came for me, wasn't it? Yeah, I probably sent a couple your way, but my wizard was basically trying to corner him and get in range for a magic bolt of my own, but he trashed me. That's right. And I had, it was nice actually, we met a guy, uh, Unstable Voltage, uh, a Chaos Reborn streamer who's a you know, huge fan of the game, and he'd come to LaveCon specifically to meet Julian and to, to do kind of Chaos Reborn related stuff. Um, and it was nice meeting him, and he, he sent out a tweet because we, we had a moment um, on Saturday night. I discovered that Julian hadn't yet played the XCOM board game which I had with me because I knew there were going to be board games at uh, LaveCon this year um, and I'm always I'm always up for a game of the, the XCOM board game and um, Julian had mentioned that he'd not played it so I thought well this is great we can sit down Julian can kind of play the board game based on his based on the remake of his 20 year old you know strategy game and Unstable Voltage posted this thing saying you know how meta is this playing playing the XCOM remake board game with the creator of the original and that was good fun. I think he enjoyed it because I think uh, he was obviously, having travelled from Bulgaria, he was on a slightly different clock than everyone else. And when we started the XCON game, he looked really tired. And I thought, oh, he's not going to make it through this. We're going to have a couple of rounds and he's going to have to call it a night. And actually, by about round two or three of the board game, he was quite energised and quite into it. So I think it, um, yeah, I think it went down well. Great stuff. And isn't the XCOM board game notoriously difficult to actually get a victory out of? And we did win it, which I was, which I was dead impressed by. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. It is a pretty challenging game, and we, uh, we managed to win it, yeah. Okay, uh, the other thing that I think most people found uh, exceptionally rewarding, but also quite challenging, was our very own um, Lave Radio's John Richardson's Artemis setup, which, I mean, for me, Artemis was brand new going into the con. I hadn't heard anything about it until we started talking about it a few weeks before before we actually set up the, the con and, and John said he was going to bring it down. So for those people that aren't aware, Artemis is a, um, a Starship Bridge simulation game where everybody has a terminal of their own and each person each person basically fulfills a role like comms um uh, weapons uh tactics and obviously you have someone who sits in the captain's chair and basically barks orders at everybody and takes all the information in and decides what they're going to do now this setup was quite spectacular because whenever you um Whenever you hit the red alert button, John had brought in these spectacular sort of lighting rigs um, that basically lit up 
the whole room that this simulator was set up in. Um, so whenever you hit red alerts, it would go red. Whenever you said shields up, the whole room would go blue. Alan brought his uh, his laser stars and projected that onto the ceiling. And the whole effect worked really, really well. The only thing that we couldn't manage to do was the, the smoke, the dry ice that we had for when your ship got hit by a missile or something like that. The uh, the hotel poo-pooed that on the, on the grounds of the smoke alarms in the room, which I think is a bit sad. But uh, I never actually got to play this so you guys are gonna have to take over here and say what it was like to play this particular game crash i didn't get to play it no. either but I, I was i was a kind of an honorary honorary guest kind of went in there with uh, uh reinhardt and we sat there and we watched uh, another team do i think i think at the time yeah it was uh stephen usher was was the captain it was awesome i mean I, i'd heard a little bit about it uh having a chance to play it at all but that, to actually see it come to life and like like you said john had the whole dmx system to react to all the events in the game so it's fantastic um in, in case no one's seen it i mean you had like these i think it was like six network pcs all running different responsibilities for each person and it's just really really cool the fact that you had like uh someone on comms had to kind of listen out for things that were going on and say oh yeah uh, ship in sector D4 needs assistance and then uh, in order to lock weapons on them you need someone to target, uh, say where to target them, that was a different person and then the weapons needed to have the science officer scan them to say which frequency of laser was the best to do it so it was just fantastic, it was all based on this primary kind of uh, idea of getting you to communicate and I, I just love that, I thought it was an awesome game Okay, and Ben, you did actually sit uh, as part of the crew and most things. Yeah, science officer Aid Levice had a lot of fun with it, and it, it was absolutely hectic. I mean, I, I can't say for any of the other stations, but as a science officer, I was literally clicking and scanning pretty much every five seconds for an entire hour. And it was great because it was like, you're scanning this thing that, are, and you're having to keep an eye on those other ships over there, trying to get off a scan on them, which takes about five seconds, uh, passing on the information so that when we're going up to, uh, when you're going up to attack one of the guys, then you have to find out who you're attacking, get that ship up, pass the information on to say what frequency you should be shooting them at, pass other information, say, about the that the captain's wife is dead, so, you know, you can't go and say that his, his wife is a trollop or something like that, because it just won't, it won't affect him. Or it might suit you know, it might really affect him. And you pass all that information on to the communications guys, and it's just, it's so hectic, so much talking, so much communication and working together, it was great fun. I didn't actually get a chance to play it during the weekend, but on Friday night after Simon and I had set up the sound room, we bumped into John Richardson, and I don't remember the name of the person that was helping him out, but they were heading through to the bar and up to their rooms, and it must have been about three o'clock in the morning, and he said to, he said to, I said to my brother, oh, this is John, he, you know, he's come down with the Artemis setup, and, and John says, have you not seen it? And they're like, no, no, he goes, well, come on up, we'll have a look at it. So at three o'clock in the morning, he's firing up Artemis for us just to have a go at it, and um, our, our captain was hysterical, and he had fantastic commands like, turn left, which made me laugh every time. Turn left! Head to the blue swirly things! And they're like going, no, you don't want to go to the blue swirly things. Don't go to the blue swirly things! Turn left and nuke them till they glow! And, oh, it was... Oh, that was Rufus Glynn, wasn't it? That, that was, was your Rufus, captain. I remember, yes. yeah. And it was just, you know, it was such a such a good laugh. Um, and it's just a shame. But there's one of those things that we have to accept that every year 
our areas of responsibilities get busier and busier and we're not going to have the chance to play all the stuff. So I reckon we need a Friday to ourselves for all the people that are running events. We should go down on the Friday <laughs> and we should play everything on the Friday night so that we're ready for the weekend and then we can get on and concentrate on the, the stuff that we're doing. No, I think that's uh, that's fair enough. Uh, Stabler, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun. I, I had a, uh, I think it was on the Friday night as well. I had a mess around game with Bill and Spike and uh, Bill's girlfriend. Uh, I can't remember her name. Sorry, I'm terrible. Uh, Liz. Liz. Yeah, and then um, and then that was like a warm up session for the main one, which was obviously the late radio crew uh, session where I played the science officer. And I, I suppose the one takeaway thing from it was, who would have thought that Alan Stroud was so bossy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. We all knew he was going to be bossy. Um, I don't blame him because he's obviously very competitive, like me. And I and because um, I believe who's it? Julian and some people they did really well, didn't they? They got an epic score. And so I think the idea was we were going to try and beat them. We didn't, although I think we we did quite well, didn't we? No, no I thought no. we were like 37. No, the, the, no? The, the team in first place had something along the lines of 64 points. And uh, Leave Radio, I think, was fourth, third or fourth with 32. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, well, you, you, left me, you left me in the main room if you had me on on, on, <laughs> on the opponent's ships and the enemy's ships. You'd have done a lot better. <laughs> okay. Well, we know to do that for next year, then. ABL's got anything they want to sort of uh, cover off on the uh, the LaveCon debrief. There's obviously so much there. There's so many things that we uh, we haven't mentioned. Obviously, we need to do a massive thank out uh, thank you to to all the volunteers that turned up. Uh, certainly, the guys that were manning the um, the welcome desk. Check it. That's the one. Yes, he was amazing. He was, and his team were tirelessly working. And in fact, they made because it was so near the bar. It was such a fantastic focal point for the event so everybody was around there and hanging around there and chatting and it was oh crikey I mean it's, it's really hard to sort of sort of sum up that wonderful kind of experience that the LaveCon is at that bar area where you've got like my kids who are what uh, 18 and 21 who come down with no real uh, experience of this kind of thing and instantly feel relaxed and at home with people you know almost twice their age <laughs> and, and dressed up as uh, god knows what and um, drinking heavily and, and just all getting along so fine and the one thing my biggest highlight was actually when Danny had come over from from Germany for uh, Danny Remclip um, that's not his real name but that's his username is Remclip and it's just so awesome to meet people that you've been communicating with and on team speaking things for so long and suddenly you, you're in the same physical locale and it led to the highlight of my my week when he told the double to shut up a number of times, <laughs> which is always funny. And my one of my highlights was playing uh, Werewolf, One Night Werewolf, with Julian Gollop as he sat there, and how quickly we all turned into a bunch of lying so-and-sos. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant game. And obviously one of the highlights, and again an achievement for yourself, was, uh, was the Midnight Dockers, which went down exceptionally well. Were you there for that? Yeah. I didn't, oh, see, that's the problem. We couldn't see you. Oh, yeah, no, there's no accounting for taste, is there? <laughs> no, John, you did, you did brilliantly. And I think I think the one person that came away, m- maybe who hasn't resurfaced yet, was poor James Vigor, who had possibly some of the worst lines <laughs> ever written in existence. <laughs> they were brilliant. It was, I think, you know, it was such a, such a fun thing. And then, of course, you know how that led to one of the preferred... And that's in fact that's a fantastic story. One of the fun, funniest uh, raffle prizes was the <laughs> leftover mugs that we didn't smash, and t- 
to hear that uh, Remclip had spent £30 on raffle tickets to support the event, which is really good of him. <laughs> the only thing he came away with was one of these reject Dockers mugs. And uh, it just makes me, it just is so funny because, you know, obviously we got all those mugs for far less than he paid in the raffle. <laughs> it's just so unfair. And uh, just in case anybody hasn't seen it, these are One Direction mugs, but not just any One Direction mugs. These are One Direction mugs with the, uh, the, the, the singer that's now left the band still on the mugs. So these are, you know, highly rare items that were bought at a, a extortion price from a charity shop um, because obviously this band member is no longer with the band so uh, yes so Danny paid £30 for uh, for a very exclusive very exclusive piece of merchandise there it was another are we going to actually discuss sorry are we going to actually discuss things that uh, you know we, we, we're going to improve for the next one because uh, to be fair although the uh, the feedback has been mostly excellent you know everyone had a great time I, I'm hoping that we can kind of improve next year and as I mentioned earlier, the sign-up was something that we're addressing because I know there's quite a few people that said after, oh, I, I, I wanted to do that and I didn't sign up for it and maybe we can kind of help people a bit more with that for the next one. So that was the critical feedback as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, absolutely. And there, there was a few things. I mean, there was the, uh, the uh, disability access around the hotel. The hotel was like a warren of, of rooms. So the first thing is that people had a certain amount of difficulty finding out exactly where things were, which we obviously we could have done a better job of signing that. Uh, and the hotel could have done a better job of signing their rooms as well. So signage was an issue and also you know, disability access. People who had issues with uh, mobility want the uh, the best of hotels in terms of ramps and things like that there was a lot of stairs to go on to go on with but <laughs> the other thing was a bit hit and miss was uh, the food uh, from the feedback that we've got uh, although it is quite interesting that some people that had a, a bronze ticket that didn't actually entitle them to food have turned up and you know, were commenting and complaining about the food that they were getting for free when they shouldn't have been which is always quite entertaining um they must have got all the cooked potatoes leaving me and my brother all the raw ones that's what's happened <laughs> <laughs> the, food yeah. was, the food was it was mixed sometimes it was, it was spot on and sometimes it was just a little bit under and it was just a shame because when it was good it was good yeah absolutely and i think it's down to uh, people on bronze tickets eating all the food that they're not supposed to be eating and therefore making the kitchen have to cook for more people than they're anticipating that that's my theory on it i, I blame the bronze uh, the bronze ticket holder I was just going to say the fact that it was such a successful event and so much fun and you know even with the sort of technical take on that I'd undertaken myself to be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve and it to work well apart from the I can honestly say all the mistakes all the errors were me (laughs) and that's a wonderful thing but what really really excites me is the fact that even though there are no major criticisms of what we did it was an awesome event we can still improve it and make it even better and and that's a a huge positive it's not a negative at all because we can learn and uh, you know come back with the ideas that have been inspired from this one because I know that uh, the likes of Fantastical later on have, have obviously watched what we've done very closely and have been inspired by the feedback and all the things that we've done and it just is, it's an inspiring thing and next year we know what was brilliant, what needs tweaked and how to make it better and we can try even more new stuff uh, Jugger, my kids love Jugger that's something they would never have done <laughs> 
Yeah, and Jugger for me is a bit disappointing because that, that was one of the things I definitely wanted to do at the con. And uh, I said, not a problem at all. I'm busy on Saturday. I'm in the main room pretty much all day. Uh, I'll, I'll do it on Sunday. And Saturday was one of the hottest days for ages. And Sunday, it just, it just poured down with rain. So I'm still yet to do Jugger. Uh, but it's definitely on my list of things to do at LaveCon 2016. Um, on, the, um, on the feedback side of things for those people that bought tickets you should have received a um a link to a survey uh from karen uh karen is just sort of prompting me in the uh the chat room to uh, to make sure that anybody that gets a uh, survey if you wouldn't mind filling it in uh these sort of things are invaluable for us and to the hotel in order to make lavecon 2016 even better so if you have got a survey and you haven't completed it yet if you wouldn't mind doing that we would be eternally grateful Okay, anything else that we w- uh, should mention about LaveCon before we wrap it up? Uh, we're yeah. coming to the... Let's go on yeah, there, Jake. I do. So very quickly, uh, because we forgot to mention that there was a land there, just like last year. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and we are going to continue that next year, but this year it was, all, it was also very professional, a far cry from when I did it last year, when we basically just turned up with a couple of switches and hoped for the best. <laughs> this time it was all very professional and um, it was the only cool room in the hotel because it had aircon. So, yeah, that was great. So, well done to uh, James and Harry for sorting that out. And there was uh, all the traders in the trading room who, who brought all sorts of great gear with them. Obviously, uh, it's it's nice to kind of do a bit of window shopping when you're away. And I'm sure some people got some bargains. Yeah, certainly the uh, the Air Tracker guys there. Uh, we've the latest Air Tracker. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, we had quite a few... Um did we, who was it? Was it? Um, oh, I'm going to forget their names. Who was it that had? Uh, is it Otter Cottage Games? Happy Otter that? Games. Happy Otter Games. Uh, yeah, and I know they've uh, they've got a new Kickstarter that they're just about to launch for one of the games that they showed at the con as well. So obviously we'll follow up with that and uh, and give them a special mention when that's out. Um, but yeah, the the traders were, were great. I mean, I didn't realise that you could get so many different miniatures for um, for Star Wars um, tabletop um, gaming. I thought, uh, and also how the level of detail that goes into those as well. I thought I was quite surprised at. Uh, Jarvis, did you actually manage to uh, to hold off and, and not buy any? I, I did just about, um, because, yeah, I need to not um, engage myself in too many new systems. However, I think the the Alien vs. Predator board game is, is down the line, and I think, uh, I think the gentleman is going to be getting a visit from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great stuff. Okay, well, um, we're r- rapidly running out of time for this particular episode of uh, Lave Radio, so we're going to, unfortunately, we're not going to get a chance to uh, answer some of the questions or attempt to answer some of the questions that you've uh, sent in, but uh, worry not, we shall save those for next week and we will come back to them. Um, but before we go, just a few quick shout-outs. Um, who have we got in-game? Uh, we should have said, actually, that we are actually outside Lave Station in open. Um, well, some of us are. Who's actually in-game at the moment outside Lave Station? I think it might just be me, because Crash had to go off and help somebody. Okay, so Ben's there. So, Ben, who's uh, who's out there with you? I've basically been playing with ePilot007, who, who was at LaveCon. I've been boosting and landing on Mindwipe's Anaconda, <laughs> which has been fun as well. Um, and Commander Dissident has been around as well. So it's quite quiet in Lave tonight, but we're having fun anyway. 
Excellent. And obviously the uh, the guys who join us live in the chat channel, thank you very much as always. Uh, I'm going to do this this week since uh, it's normally left to somebody else to butcher all these names. So we've got Penguin, we've got uh, Arkenbaust, we've got Brumster, we've got Cassius, we've got Commander Babster, Commander Dirk D, Commander Icefire, Commander Scaldi, Commander Thane, which is obviously you, Chris, thank you. Uh, Daddy Baddy's in there, Five is in there, Gimme's in there, Grand Solo, Harbinger 73, I Nami, I Me, I Nami. Um, Mark Dis, Mindwipe, uh, Mr. Tea Time, uh, Ripped, Snivius, Starion, Ventura, and Vonner's just jumped in at the last minute. So, guys, thank you very much for keeping us company during this particular episode iTunes reviews, uh, the last ones we got were back in May, guys, from uh, Kefty Ballbag and uh, Shadow. Please do go onto iTunes and give the podcast a review. We do like getting those nice, warm and fuzzies. And uh, that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, or you can join the Skype channel by adding Fozza 101 to your Skype contacts. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. Layradio.teamspeak3.com Thanks to Ben, to Crash, to John, to Grant and to Chris for joining us tonight. Uh, until next time guys, fly safe and if you can't do that, fly dangerous.